Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Authentically Us, where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do in all spaces that you occupy. We got Tony here. I'm Conroy. And today we got a special guest. But before we jump in, guys, first of all, share this. Let's just start. Sure. You know the drill. And give us a review, like an honest review, because we want to we want to interact with you guys. We got some things planned so honest but five stars there it is there it is hey also shout out to msw media muller she wrote um they have picked us up so we're gonna be we got some things coming guys so so be on the lookout for websites links all that but without further ado let's jump into this episode we got miranda melville on the podcast today let's get it let's go Guys, we have a special episode today. One of my favorite people. We got Miranda Melville on the podcast today. Guys, she is a New York native. She is a 20K race walker, guys. And she is a 2016 Olympia Olympian. Excuse me. Miranda, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, guys. Thanks for hello, having hello. me. Hello. Yes, we're excited um because you guys me and Miranda go way back some of you guys may know I was um playing rugby for the U.S. so much about why I moved to San Diego and then after that I actually moved in with Miranda and a couple of friends and we all lived together so it was a it was an interesting house with like track athletes rugby athletes it was cool (laughs) (laughs) so I get to give you guys all the scoops of all the things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but hey let's um let's jump straight in um Miranda before we kind of jump into like some of your accolades I did want to pull back and just kind of talk a little bit about like where you grew up and what it was like uh growing up in New York yeah I grew up in Rochester New York more specifically Rush it's like a suburb of the greater Rochester area um and I just kind of you know, was somebody who had a lot of energy. I would say I was very hyper child. Uh, I naturally just like to run around a lot. Um, and had, you know, I was just definitely that type of kid. Um, in ninth grade, I decided to do indoor track and in New York state, um, track and field events include a 1500 meter, uh, girls race walk. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I definitely was not a sprinter (laughs) and, um, the coaches recognized that right away. And they kind of were like, Oh, well, why don't you try this event? And I was not good at it. Like I was not good at it at all. It was not very fast. It wasn't like I was like this natural person at it, but I kind of really liked the challenge of it. Um, and I chose to, you know, kind of make that my event as I continued through high school. And it, it led me to where I am today. Surprisingly, you know, when you're, when you're 13 or 14, making those decisions, you don't really realize what you're doing. You're just like, oh, this is fun. But, um, I was in a great high school program with great coaches. Um, and you know, I know definitely being from Rochester, New York, like I definitely had to face all the bitter cold days. I don't know how familiar Oof. people are with it, but if you didn't know Buffalo, you know, just a few weeks ago, Rochester is about an hour outside of that. Buffalo just a few weeks ago got like, you know, four feet in one day and they moved the Bills game to Detroit because of it. So Rochester's not that far off of in snowfall. So we are definitely a, a cold, lots of snow city. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. I don't miss that. <laughs> no, and we don't even get that much, but no, thank you. Um, anyway, so what is race walking? 
So yeah, for anybody who doesn't know what race walking is, you know, it's not the most common event in track and field, but it is an event in track and field. Um, so race walking is walking fast, essentially, but there's two rules to it. And it, the rules are kind of like why, you know, you see kind of maybe like a hip wiggle to it or like a specific type of technique to it. But the first rule is you have to have one foot on the ground at all times, according to the human eye. So like, you can't take a picture of me in a race and be like, oh my gosh, look, she was off the ground. And then like, go back and see it. Like there's judges on the course judging this and it's to their human eye. If I look like I've lost contact with the ground. The other rule is that when your leg, your front leg hits the ground, your lead lead hits the ground, your knee has to be straight. And then once it's gone, like kind of just past the body or is up, like under the body, you can start bending it to bring it back through. So that's kind of where you get like the hip wiggle with, you don't see people like in the air, like you do with running. So there's definitely rules to it. There's judges along the course. Um, and with that being said, those judges can give you infractions, right? So you can get up to four infractions before you get DQ'd. If you get three, you get put in what's known now as a penalty box. Um, and you, if you get a fourth one, you're just disqualified like completely. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that just sounds complicated <laughs> yeah the, the penalty box is a new thing that was not a thing until like 2017 you know it's that's that's a more recent thing that they've been doing um but before that it was just just three red cards and you're out now they're kind of like well you can go in this penalty box and maybe be in there you know depending on the length of the race like up to like two minutes and then oh, come wow. back out maybe you can finish up you know, or catch some people, or maybe you're just going to look bad still and you're going to get disqualified. It's so, so you go into a, like an actual box, like in hockey or something like that. Yeah. It's like mapped out with cones and they like the person steps out in front of the lane in front of you and just kind of escorts you in. And they start a timer as soon as you're in there for like two minutes, if it's the 20 K distance for like two minutes. And then as soon as you're two minutes out, you're out of the box and you just have to hope you don't get a fourth card in that time. Wow. So if you're in there early in the race, that's, a little scary versus even if you're in there later in the race, right? Like if you get a fourth card or if you get three cards, like in your last kilometer and they weren't, didn't have time to put you in the box per se, um, they will just tack on two minutes to your finishing time. Oh, sheesh. And that's all that's new. Yeah. That stuff's all new. Yeah. That's all within like the recent, like five years or so. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting to me because there's no other track and field event that is, like, well, I guess there are the other events that you do get penalized for things, but nothing like that. That kind of sounds like NASCAR in my mind. Of like, yeah. <laughs> right? Like having to wait? It's definitely like an adjustment. It's something new. And when they brought on, I was like, oh my gosh, this sucks. <laughs> but it's wow. the name of the game that we're playing. And so, you know, if you want to play the game, you got to adjust, you got to adapt. <laughs> Spoken like a true yes. athlete. So like when you started out was it was it hard for you to get the gist of what what your technique was yeah cuz if you look if you ever get a chance to watch it right like everybody's technique is a little different everybody has like a little bit of a different sway or movement there's no like there's no like one that works for everybody just cuz everybody's body types physiologically are are different so it like I'm somebody who does, I'm short and I don't have a really great long stride, right? I have nothing but like turnover. Like I'm not like a super powerful walker. I'm just a really fast turnover walker. So, you know, at some point, right, my, my cadence can only go so fast. So that's where it's like, you know, I have to try and open my stride the best I can, but you can see girls that are 
shorter than me that are like from Ecuador or um, some of the South American countries. And they're just, they're, their stride is so long. I'm like, how'd they do that? And they're like, you know, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, it's, you definitely, when you're young, it takes a minute to figure out how it is. And, you know, you see commonly like people who first start out, they have like shin splints or, you know, they they find like, you know, they just, they're tighter in ways that they wouldn't normally be from running. Now you said you started in high school. Mm-hmm. Now is Pennsylvania, at least where, I, where, we, where we're from, Tony and I, um, they, there was no 20 K race walk. Is that only in New York or so, race walking period? Yeah, it's not. Um, you see it like a little bit, you'll find like, a. it'll be up in Maine a little bit. Um, you can find like, you know, kind of like those four H clubs might have it throughout like the country. South Texas used to have a big thing for it. Um, but yeah, New York state's like the only state that it's in regular track and high track and field high school sports. And it's only a 1500 meter, right? It's just for high school girls. So, you know, 1500 meter, but you do obviously, once you leave high school and graduate into like the senior ranks at I am now, you're going obviously much further. Yeah. That's a, that's a big jump. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so why did you choose to, to race walk over? I think I, I, I did some research on you. Um, Raybird, and I I found that you actually enjoyed the steeplechase. I did. Yes, that's good. Good, good researching there. Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I did like steeplechase. I was not anything super great. I think I made it to state qualifiers one year. Um, I really like steeplechase. That was just a fun event. Like, I still really enjoy watching steeplechase. Like, it's probably one of my favorite events to watch. Um, and maybe because it's more odd too like it's an odd event in track and field so maybe I just felt like they go together but I really liked steeplechase because already you have to have like kind of good hip mobility to race walk so you have to have good hip mobility to hurdle right and to do the water jump so it was like kind of natural to go to it in a lot of ways with track and field um but I just was a more distance prone athlete too like running cross country and everything like that so um in high school it became it became like a point where I was good enough to try to go to state and stuff like that. And, and maybe go to like indoor Nike nationals and stuff like that. And my high school coach uh, was really awesome about, you know, fueling my passion for it. And you know, it was that, you know, like I've hit a point where I don't know more to tell you. And so he like kind of encouraged me to like talk to people, especially as I was entering my senior year to see what was like available and collegiate wise. And so my mom found this race walk clinic in Boston one summer and she took me, it was by this man named Dave McGovern. He's a phenomenal race walker, um, from, you know, the, uh, two thousands, late nineties. Um, and you know, he saw me and he had me do some two hundreds and he was the first person to say to me, like, you could be an Olympic. I was like, Oh, really? Wow. All of a sudden. I started have race walk coaches because I was not originally looking at that. I was looking to maybe run cross country at like a D3 school or maybe a D2 school. Like I had no idea that like even option. And then I started looking at where I possibly swap coach in college. That's amazing. Cause it's like, it's cool that it's, I think it's really cool because you hear a lot of stories about how you get high school coaches or high school teachers who like say, oh, you'll never be this or you'll never be that. But it's quite awesome to hear the opposite for you and saying like, oh, you actually 
could be really good at this. In fact, you could be the best at this and be an Olympian. <laughs> I think that's yeah. super, super dope. He, yeah, Dave McGovern was at my Olympic trials in 2016. And, you know, I made, I, I made sure I, to thank him and saying, like, I got here because of you, because you were the mm. first person who told me, like, I could do this. So I definitely want to give him and my high school coach props who set me. They really did send me on a path. Mm. That's so awesome. So, so speaking of getting to the Olympics, is that was that encounter when you started to think the Olympics, or did you already have that goal in mind beforehand? No, I did not have that goal in mind beforehand. It was, so it just kind of became like a thing that oh, if I really want, think I can make an Olympic team, like I was looking at colleges that have this and. I did not really think that. And I also very naively at 17 was like, oh yeah, I could just make an Olympic team. Like <laughs> I had no idea what this really entailed, all the work, all the years, everything that goes into this. Like you're just so naive because all you do is see the Olympics every four years and you see the glory and you see like, oh my gosh, they're so fast or they're so good. And like, I had no clue what I was signing myself up for mm -hmm. by any means. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so great. So from uh, high school, so there, so from high school to college, um, from my understanding, most colleges do not have race walking. In fact, is it like no Division One colleges have it? You're right. Yeah. So no NCAA schools have it. No NC. It's only NAI schools that currently have it. Um, so my situation is. A little weird. I um, went to the University of Wisconsin Parkside or UW Parkside, however you want to say it, UWP. Um, and I chose that school because it used to be an NAI school with some of the best race walkers in the country, like multiple Olympians came out of that school and that coach was still there. So I went to talk with the coach. He said that I was fast enough to run for them and that if I ran cross country and stuff for them, that he would still coach me to race walk. Mm -hmm. So I got to go to a division two school on full scholarship in Wisconsin at a small D two school, you know, um, and still get to follow my passion with what was known at the time as a pretty strong coach. Um, so, you know, and again, shout out to Mike DeWitt there who really brought me up from 1520 K cause he did help transition me into that going into a much bigger distance. Mm. and that i mean you went from cold to cold from yeah oh yeah buffalo oh, yeah. new york to to wisconsin <laughs> oh yeah definitely from one side one lakes one lake effect to another lake effect snow yeah and wind and cold definitely yikes <laughs> it, i mean to me it just sounds like you didn't love yourself then going to cold <laughs> You know, we used to walk in 20K, like a 5K sounds terrible to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, So talk to us about what your biggest challenge has been so far in your career. I think this challenge is just myself, right? Like every day it's you against the road, you against the clock, it's you against you, right? Like, and we as a society, so hard on ourselves social media, right? All we do is compare and you see like people make it look like they'll be so easy, 
when they're not. And then you're wondering, why am I struggling? Why am I not there? Have I not hit these benchmarks? Like, you know, and I, so I think in the end, like the biggest struggle is life in and out sports is just rivaling myself all the time to get myself in a good mindset and believe in positive things. Um, just cause there is so much that can affect that all, at all times. Mm. I remember, um, when we were in the house together, it was like, it was just a very, uh, pressured time for everybody in the house. Cause we were all like competing. We were all trying to, you know, make it to the next level, whatever that looked like for each and every one of us. Um, and I remember like, you know, some, you would have good days, you have bad days mentally. Um, what are some things you do now to help get through those like mentally challenging days? You know, the days where it's a, it's a, you didn't have a good practice or maybe you had a good practice, but didn't have a good day at work or whatever. Like, what do you do now to help get you through those times? So yeah, to pull back a little bit, even on that, right. So Conroy, you saw me at such a, such a specific time in my life. I'd come off the 2016 Olympics and I went through as you witnessed first, you know, so patient and such a great roommate for this. Like I was going through an Olympic depression, like hardcore. It was probably one of the worst that a lot of people had seen. It was coupled also with major life changes going on in, around me. Um, and so like, you know, you saw me at like very, very lows at, I would say at my life right there. Like I was definitely hitting probably something like touching the flames of my own personal hell quite a bit during that time. Um, and you know, one of the greatest things that I had was the stability of just training every day. Um, right. If you take that away from me, then you, you're taking what I, you know, something I can control in a way. And mm. also I had the, just the fortune of being with great roommates, having wonderful family, having wonderful support, people stepping in saying like, you need help or let me help you, or, you know, it's okay. So like days when I come home and I'm too overwhelmed and I'm crying, like I had the support of those around me who loved me and cared for me, um, to help pull me out of those things. And I still carry that, like the saying, like it takes a village is very true because yeah, you can place one brick at a time by yourself, but at some point those bricks get heavy to place by yourself and you need help. Right. So, um, I think like truthfully, like I've just really grown my support even more since then. And so when I'm having a bad day, I'm not afraid to talk to somebody and not that I want to just dump my problems on somebody or unload on somebody, but respectfully be like, Hey, do you have time to hear this? Cause I just need to talk to, I just need to vent for a second. And I realized having that with people important and reciprocating that for them too, right? Like if they need somebody, like when you have time, be available, right? Like it's not, we don't always feel like we can take on other people's problems, but we can also just be there to listen. We might not have mm. solutions, but some people you just, they just need you to hear them because they're not yeah. feeling heard. Yeah, that's so good. And I imagine that level of authenticity, you know, I was saying, Hey, do you have time? I have some hard stuff to talk to. Like people don't do that nowadays. And yeah. so like it, you know, I'm sure that takes a lot of courage to be able to admit that be in that space. So that's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. It was not, it's not fun, but I mean, as you guys know, it's part of the process, right? You guys 
watched it. You've seen it. You've heard it. It's all part of the process. Like you can't, yep. you just can't do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. And even like seeing you, like, you know, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. Cause it was like, wow, you just came off the Olympics and you're like, yeah, I just came off the Olympics. And it's like, <laughs> it was, it was an interesting time. But one thing I do remember from that time is you were, you were a great, you were great at being there for everybody else, you know, and like listening and you're always a great listener, first of all. But I think what I'm hearing is the switch happened was just like, oh, wow, I'm being here for everybody else, but I'm not actually being here for me. And once you started like talking to other people and stepping out and doing that, it seemed like there there was change that that started to happen. Um was there like a moment that like triggered like, hey, I actually need to talk to somebody about this? Yeah, I had a few moments. Um, one of the biggest moments came from my coach at the time, Tim Seaman, saying that I needed to talk to somebody. He kind of had like an intervention with uh, Jonathan Pierre at the time. And they just kind of said like, you're you're not OK. And then I think that um, I, I noticed my mom and dad stepping in as well, like you know, saying like, I know you don't want to do this, but you need to probably talk to like a professional to help you a little bit more out of this. Cause you know, I'd make jokes, but like, I really did feel like whether this was really true or not, it felt like at days, like I would get up that I was like 90% dead inside. Like I was just mm. going through the, the motions and it didn't feel like no matter how much I prayed, no matter how much I did giving back, if I tried to tell myself I was at practice, not for me, but to help my teammates, it just wasn't fulfilling for whatever reason. And I think it's just because I had a lot of demons that I had suppressed from just childhood on that I had to work through and they were finally catching up with me and I was having that quarter life crisis. And I just like, yeah, I needed help to walk through that. Um, and, and so I did end up speaking to a therapist for a few months and, you know, I got back to not necessarily my, my old self, but back to being me and back to being like, like more, more joyful again and able to be moment a bit more. Yeah. We we've talked with some other um, Olympians actually and similar stories, um, especially with the, with the women. Um, and it's great that you, 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 you sought out help. Um, so, you know, after you, you sought out help, what did that process look like from going from, like maybe at your lowest of lows to slowly crawling back to like, like you said, not necessarily what it was before, but like just out of that pit or that hill, I guess you can say. Oh yeah. You're not crawling. You're clawing your way out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. definitely like a, it's definitely a feeling. Um, I think it's like, it wasn't like a flip of a switch out of it either. It was definitely like, you know, there would be days of being like, oh, I just want to be like my old self. And then I'd have to like, accept like that old self doesn't exist. Like that version of you was great at the time. And it got you to where you needed to be, or it got you through that situation. That's not the version that's going to come out of this. Mm -hmm. She did what she needed to do. This is the new version. What is this new version per se going to be? And I think it like when you meet people every day, right? Like even people you see on the regular, right? Because we never know what's going on in somebody's life. Like we're all evolving and growing. So it's like, not that anybody just magically changes overnight, but it's like, what is, what is Tony like today versus yesterday? Right? Like I need to meet Tony today 
on who he is today. I can't just hold yesterday's version of him. Right. Mm. And same, you know, like, Mm. and I've learned that, that like, and I hope that people can also respect that of me. Like they may know me from a few years ago and yeah, I'm still pretty bubbly and I'm still race walking and I still do this, a lot of the same things, but there's like a, a level that has grown and it has changed. And you want them to accept that and recognize that and not hold you to what the version is they think you are. Mm. That's so good. Yeah, that's really good. Um, Talk to us about who you are outside of race walking in the Olympics. Uh, Yeah, like I work part time. Um, I work as a tutor for like mostly test prep, like ACT, SAT test prep. Um, Since the most of my work is pretty virtual, which has been really nice because I can really stack in clients a lot more easily. Um, there've been times where I've done some other odds and end jobs. Um, one of my favorite jobs I did that I would love to go back to when I'm done competing is behavioral therapy. I worked with kids with autism, like little guys from like 18 months to maybe like nine, nine years old, like the younger ones. Um, and I, I think they threw them with me cause I, I had the patience to handle the tantrums. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed that job. Um, I ended up stopping just because, Kids are kids and they (laughs) would get sick because they were sick. And I was like, this is not good for training. Like I can't keep doing this, but I did it for about two years or so. And I loved that job. And, um, I went to the tutoring after that. And I still love the tutoring because it's, it's a different, it's, I think both jobs help me help have me helping people reach their goals. I think Mm. that's what I enjoy about it, whether it's a testing goal, whether they're just trying to practice, like, you know, trying to get a certain grade in the math class or bio class or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think I like helping other people reach goals um, because I, you know, so many people have helped me reach mine. So it's like a way to give back and maybe it's not giving back in the necessarily walk or track and field, but it's, it's paying it forward in its own way. Mm, That's so good. Um, So I, I like to look at, um, I guess bios to see what's in their bios. Uh, what what is Parity? Oh, Parity is this company that um has started more recently. Um, you know, it's pair. It's called Parity because it's the opposite of disparity. Um, but it's it's a company that's working towards closing gender pay gap in sports. Um, work with a like a lot of elite women in sports, um, you know, we're always looking at the WNBA um, and they're always talking about uh, just anybody in sports. Like they, they have like, you know, on Instagram, like vote for your favorite athlete play of the week. And it can be volleyball. It could be cross country. It could be women's hockey. It could be basketball. It could be anything. And it, it really just draws more attention to women's sports overall, which is awesome. And, you know, and again, they're really trying to work towards closing that disparity between pay Um, and that it's them doing it versus like, you know, governing bodies or like agents that dictate certain dollars and how they're spent and things like that. Um, one of the bigger things that this company has gotten into lately is NFTs. Um, and I've been like, just enjoying watching them kind of like promote those NFTs and get like a lot of revenue from that. So it's a really great company. I definitely recommend people follow them on Instagram and look into it and kind of use that, you know. Because women's sports, you know, it is an it is a bit of an uphill battle. So um any support is always good. Now in in race walking, have you experienced that? Um, like the 
certain disparities between men and women. And the reason why I asked that is because like, even as recently, there was like that NCAA tournament in Vegas, right. With um, basketball and the men are playing in stadiums and the women are playing in hotel, like uh, auditoriums. And it's like, and they're not even hiding it. Like it's, that's the thing. I mean, it's like blatant. Like they are playing in a, I mean, it's a nice hotel auditorium, but it's not with the men. So have you experienced that in race walking? So not necessarily in race walking per se. Like I think, I think race walking, like we're, we're not as well recognized in general that we're getting a ton of offers to begin with. And American race walkers are not much of medalists. So we're not getting a ton of just income from that either. Um, but I think you can see it throughout track and field here and there if you're watching and, you know, they, everybody makes you sign like a, an NDA non-disclosure agreement. So like no one's really supposed to talk about what they get paid or what they get. Um, but you can like, if you listen in on conversations, you can kind of tell like, oh yeah, like this person's not getting enough or here, or it's just like, you know, they're not getting promoted by the brand the same way that the men are getting promoted by the brand. And, um, you know, it is noticeable. So it's, you know, I love when I do have fellow women in sports, like whether they're beating me or they're doing well in track and field, like I like to promote them. I like to like comment on things and really congratulate them. Cause it's again, like I said, it's an uphill battle. You know, everybody deserves the same amount of recognition as male athletes. Yeah. Um, I did want to pull back. Um, I have one more Olympic question just because I'm dying to know. Um, what was your experience? Like talk us through your experience from like, I don't know, like for rugby, they like went to Houston and from Houston, they went to Rio. So like talk us through your experience from like San Diego to Rio, like all of it. I just want to, I just want to hear it from like your, your eyes, your perspective. So in 2012, I moved out to San Diego and to try and make the 2012 Olympic team is I was a year after I graduated college. So I was out here for a full year. I missed in the 20 kilometer, I missed making that team by 2.2 seconds. In the last Ooh. like 200 meters, I got out kicked and I missed making that trip to London. Um, so I spent four years making up that 2.2 seconds. <laughs> so to make the Rio team, I was like on cloud nine. I was so excited. I was so happy. Um, and so, yeah, we had, they had us do kind of team processing. We did a little bit of team processing in Eugene, um, in 2016 at trials. And then you went to Houston to get like your Nike gear, your, um, Ralph Lauren gear and everything like that. Um, and then I didn't stay in Houston. I went back to San Diego to get in the last couple of weeks of training before heading down. And then, yeah, you had to fly at all of team USA through, through, flew through Houston because that was the direct flight down to Rio. Um, and it was like a, a red eye. So everybody just kind of slept on the flight and like, just to be on that charter flight of every like athlete from all these events was like, this is all team USA on here. There's not like a single other normal person. Like this wow. is all just team USA and our staff, like on this flight, you're like, and you knew we were all going down to be in the uh, opening ceremony. So it was like everybody, like some people obviously are three, four time Olympians. And you have people like me who it's their their first Olympics and you're just so excited. And, um, I just was like running around taking pictures everywhere and taking pictures with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I 
have a picture with like Rafael Nadal. I have a picture with Kyrie Irving. Like I'm just so, <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what, what do you still want to accomplish in your career? You know, that is a fun question that I ask myself on the daily. Uh, <laughs> I'm still going. And I think I'm surprised myself that I'm still going. I really thought after Tokyo, when I didn't make it, I was going to be done. And here I am. Um, I would love to make Budapest this year. That's where our world championships are um, for track and field. And I think, you know, like things are going well. And I mean, I've found a new love for the event that um, in the last couple years that, um, and just like a new love for training. Like, I was like definitely in a rut and a little burned out and I found like a new love for it. And I'm, you know, I may not be this as fast yet as I once was, but I'm still, I'm getting back up there a lot and I'm really enjoying it. So as long as I'm feeling that way, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there that let's, let's try for Paris. It doesn't hurt to try unless something comes up in the near future that changes my mind. But I think trying to go for Paris would be, would be an ideal situation. Um, you know, it's a little scary to say that out loud, <laughs> but uh, you heard it here I, first. Exclusive. exclusive. I know. <laughs> I know it's exclusive. I don't really say that, uh, but I mean, ultimately, yeah, like short term goals like that. Yeah. And then after Paris, most likely, I, I really think I'll I'll step away and be more of somebody who is giving back through like, you know, volunteering on like the different um, teams trying to either be like a judge or like be team staff or something like that, that, that would be an ideal situation to do. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think the last time we talked, I think you were talking about like being done. So it's, it's cool to hear that you're going to keep going. I have a question. How many years from how many years professionally have you been doing it? I moved out here in two, that fall of 2011. So it's 11 years. Cause I, I hear a lot when it comes to like professional sports that like roller coaster of like when you're young and naive and you just want to go for it. And then maybe you hit like your pinnacle and then maybe you come back down on this roller coaster and then you kind of, and what I'm hearing is you found a new love. And I hear that a lot with um like NFL or, or basketball or even like different track events where after a certain amount of years, you get to the point where you like need the training, like you, you need the, the camaraderie in the locker room or the camaraderie with your, with your teammates. Um, have you found that to be true in terms of like, like, you know, you went through your rut, but now it's like, Oh, I have a new love. And it's like, I actually find, I don't know, like a need for this. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it kind of is like a need. I don't know if I'd describe it that it's like, it's just innate. It's just a natural thing. It's like, I could take a month off and be like, yeah, it's fine. I didn't get up early and train or something, you know, that month, but like, you know, it starts to eat at you a little bit. And I definitely think that even if I'm done competing at this level, or I say like, I'm retiring at some point from race walking, um, I'm definitely going to be somebody who just wants to go work out, whether it's swimming or biking or running or hiking. I think I'm just somebody that I've created this lifestyle that I get up in the morning and I go and I do something active and it gets my like mind flowing and it gets me in a good space for the day that it is. That's the need. Like that's the need. It's not necessarily a competitive need. It's just, that's the need. Like that is the lifestyle I've created. And I don't want to really leave that. Mm -hmm. 
That's like good. That. Um uh what does self-care look like for you in such a uh demanding and highly competitive um stage in your career? I think self-care is a little different for all of us. Like, you know, I am someone who has to work as well to like kind of provide for myself. So self-care is <laughs> sometimes I think we all know it it goes out the window. Sometimes we like forget to like take time for ourselves. Um, it's been, and that's a lesson that I hope I think slaps us all across the face all the time. When you realize like you haven't been taking care of yourself and all of a sudden you're, you're sick or something happens and you're like, if I had just sat and watched a movie that day, that like, <laughs> yeah. um, yep. but it's, uh, I think, you know, with work, um, my students are great, but they also aren't because they're young. They're not great at holding a schedule always. So my schedule is very adaptable. So it's very, it's like, I have my set times I'm going to train and do things, but like the rest of it has to be free flowing and flexible for my students and like, kind of like that. And I think I've seen myself be too flexible in those situations. And it's like, man, I didn't allow myself to recover after, you know, doing, you know, 15 miles today. Like that was stupid. Why did I not schedule that for myself? Um, and so I have to remind myself when I look at my schedule for training and my schedule for work and be like, Hey, you have these workouts. You have students that want to go at this time. Where is your buffer for you? Like, mm. are you putting mm. it in the middle of the day? Are you gonna put it at the end of the day? You cannot. And so like, sometimes too, you have like a friend at the end of a long day like that. And they're like, Hey, want to go do something? And it's like, Oh, I really do. And then it's like, you're going to be so exhausted if you go like it's, you're not going to regret going per se, but you know what the ramifications are. If you go you might be out too late. You might be just too, you didn't allow yourself to rest the way you needed. And now you're going to be tired for the next three days. Right. So it's a balance and it's a balance I'm always working on. And I think most people are always working on because you have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible and it doesn't always pan out the way you think it's gonna. Yeah. And last question. Um, what does it mean to be authentically you? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this just based on all the other podcasts. I knew this question. <laughs> I don't know if I have like some like, you know, wise age, sage wisdom over here. Um, I just think that you, the authentic version of you, kind of like we talked about is something that is always changing. You're going to change based on the experiences you have and encounter. And I think if you can just try to do the best you can at the moment and go with grace and kindness the best you can. That's that's the bet. That's being you know just you. You're being yourself, you know. And you have to give yourself that grace and compassion as much as you would give other people that. And that's how you bring out kind of the most authentic and genuine self. So good. So that's thoughtful. Great. That's great, <laughs> guys. She is. She's very thoughtful and caring. She's gentle, and that's what I love about Miranda. I don't know if um, I've ever heard anybody describe me as gentle before. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you are. You're gentle. Like, and you're very attentive. Like when you're talking to people, I can go on and on guys. I can go on and on. And on. <laughs> um, but we did want to transition to our um, next segment, which is called rapid fire. Oh my right. gosh. Again, so, I knew coming. <laughs> <laughs> rapid fire is where we ask three questions. Just three. Um, and it's the first thing that comes to mind. Don't pass go. 
don't you know message any of your students to see what is in like first thing that comes to mind i know <laughs> they're all super right. super deep by the way okay yes. okay I'm ready I'm ready all right if you could eliminate one food so no one could eat it ever again what would you destroy cauliflower man that's it's disgusting i hate cauliflower i don't care if it's cooked i don't care if it's in pizza I don't care if it's a pizza crust. I think cauliflower is gross. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I love cauliflower rice. <laughs> and I love oh, cauliflower pizza. Man. Wow. Oh. That was quick, though, too. So that, 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 quick. that one. It's a savage mood, but I, I'm, I'm out. Cauliflower is out for me. <laughs> don't come um, for it in the comments. Yeah, don't come for it. Um, all right. Favorite place you've traveled? Dang, that's hard. Uh. I'm very curious about this one because that's really hard because like you have favorite places you went to like just because you loved the city and also sometimes you have favorite places because you loved the people you were with so um i'm trying to it think of both like... okay so like favorite city that like really blew my mind going to was uh machu picchu like we raced in Lima, Peru in 2017, and we got to go, we spent a couple days after and went to Machu Picchu after and did Cusco and did the whole like nine yards over there. And that like Cusco and Machu Picchu like blew my mind, like just so it, I mean, you're up at like thousands and thousands of feet. Like, you know, Cusco is like at 11, 12,000 feet. And then I think Machu Picchu is like at like 8,000. I could be a little Ooh. off there, but um, either way, they're really high up. And to think that people on these mountaintops built what they did like so long ago with not any of the tools or anything that we did, like wow. blows my mind. And it's just so beautiful. And it's, it's just, it's a reminder of just how old the world is. And I think like that, that was like definitely, and you know, I was with a great group as well, that that was definitely one of my favorite trips. Mm -hmm. Um, another really good trip I went on, um, was I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2018 Vietnam. I really liked Vietnam. I thought that was a really cool city. We didn't do anything like crazy, crazy. We were just in uh, um, Hanoi for a few days. We stayed at a, a really cool, pl nice place. And we did like a walking food tour. And I think mm. that's what sealed the deal for me is that mm. you're walking around and this you're just eating all these great foods. And, you know, it's just no, nothing. No cauliflower, though. Yeah, you're not going to find any of it here, though. Like, it's very hard to find that authentic food unless you're, like, really close with, like, a family that makes that food, which I unfortunately am not. So it's like, you know, I love getting Vietnamese food in general here, but it's it's not the same as there, for sure. Mm. It was really good. Um, that was a really cool trip as well. Mm, love that. All right. Would you rather be the funniest or smartest person in the room? Oh, man, that's... Wait, are you saying if you're smart, you're not like funny at all? <laughs> like you don't have any humor? Are you like, are you like unable to pick up on a joke and you just stand there like stone faced? Miranda, this is rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> rapid. She's like, I need clarity. <laughs> I stand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. One there's like this famous question somebody asked me once. And I, it was like a, would you rather, would you rather have like a spider lay ear, like, uh, like, uh, eggs in your ear? Or would you ever have like a bear bite you like, and take a chunk out of your side? And I like had so many questions for it. They're like, no, Brent, it's, would you rather, would you rather, I'm like, yeah, but what happens? Where am I? What are we doing? <laughs> like, um, 
Uh, but to answer your guys' question, um, I guess I want to be like the jester, but like, I would rather be, I think, I think I'd rather be the funniest than be somebody who's like, possibly a know-it-all and always correcting you. I don't know. I'd rather be learning something than, and joking around than, <laughs> than know everything. I figured you would say that answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good answer. I also figured you would ask for clarity, which I'm so glad you did too. <laughs> that might be the longest rapid fire that we've done. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I, I love it. I didn't know. <laughs> no, that's yeah. wonderful. Um, this has obviously been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, where can people find you? What do you have going next? I know you dropped a little bit of gems, but what's what's uh what's up next for you? So I'm training for the 35k nationals that'll be in Santee, California on January 15th. So that's my next uh race coming up. Um, so put in the, the work for that right now. And then uh, you can find me on Instagram. Really, I'm not a I'm not a TikToker. I have my Facebooks out there too, you know, but um definitely you can find me for sure on Instagram. Um, I don't have Twitter anymore. So, you know, Elon Musk can't charge me for the blue check mark. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I you slide into my DMs if you ever have questions about race walking or questions about tutoring or anything like that. If you just you know, I'm more than happy to to answer anything anybody ever has. Miranda, this awesome. was awesome. Yes. Thank you so much Thank for you. sharing your story, uh, educating us and our listeners about race walking and the beauty behind it. Um, so again, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Again, honored that Absolutely. you guys picked me. Thank you so much. For sure. We, we tell everybody, once you're on once, you are now part of our metaverse so you're always welcome to come back on Ooh, i gotta do something cool to get a to get a to get invited back <laughs> <laughs> new <Yeah>. goals <laughs> new goals there you go there's another one hey well until next time be authentic in everything that you do tony we have some great guests we really do Man, I, I just love hearing their stories, hearing, like, what they're passionate about, you know, like, and even, you know, hearing more about what race walking is. It may sound easy. It doesn't sound easy anymore. <laughs> it sounds way too complicated. And seriously, what? 20K? Why? <laughs> <laughs> like why anyway. yes she uh her story is just amazing you know and to hear that like post olympic slump or or depression to hear her kind of like talk through that and even being around her during that time and seeing where she is now has just been a really cool journey and it's what i really liked about it is that it was very authentic like right not to not to play on our name but like it was truly like what she was going through after the highest of high, the pinnacle of her success. She was real about like where she was and how that impacted her. So I'm, I'm thankful that she, you know, opened up and shared her story. Yeah, for sure. And I think that like puts, helps people to realize that like 
the accomplishments and accolades isn't like you know all all cracked up like all um happy go lucky like there's some hardship that comes with that Mm -hmm. but most people aren't real about it and so like you said i'm so thankful for miranda's authenticity in that yeah yeah that was pretty cool but guys you know what time it is it's time for the friendship quiz where you find out how great of friends tony and i are um and i believe today tony you have a question for me i also believe that i have an answer for you that is going to be correct today because there's been some days where i've had no clue and i make an answer up but today <laughs> i'm gonna get it right um all right sounds good i'm gonna i'm gonna give you um easy one you should be able to get this our listeners would probably guess this who is my favorite author author like a book that is what an author is yeah so if our listeners will get this i must mean ah tony i oh man i'm not good at authors i just listen i just do books um i think it's uh it's that podcast i sent you is it the coats uh coats yeah no but he is fire is he top three for you top five five. top one is eric mason i mentioned his book he did in another rapid fire woke church you did yeah woke church dang maybe next time bro (laughs) (laughs) maybe next time well guys hey until next time be authentic in everything that you do peace out peace